0: morning everybody well I think some of you are expecting me to talk about artificial intelligence technology and the mark of the beast and I just something just stirred my heart so that's just not an appropriate subject on Christmas Eve morning and uh yeah I want I, I want to talk about it I certainly have a lot to say about it but it just just didn't seem right for this day and the Lord kind of landed me on the subject of joy. And it really, it, it, it's been enlightening to me to, to study this subject. And I've been on this thing all week, been dwelling on it, meditating on it, praying over it, praying for you. And I really think you'll get something out of this. I pray you do. Uh, help you to really understand the subject of joy. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about that subject and what it is, and there'll be some things that'll be thought-provoking this morning, but there'll be some things that'll really help, I think, us to really realize where our joy comes from, and um, it's a lot better than talking about the mark of the beast right now, so even though that that's an important subject that we'll deal with in the next couple of weeks, but so um, we all familiar with this these next words here, uh, especially around the Christmas time where the Angel comes to the shepherds and he, he proclaims, I bring you good tidings of, notice, great joy. And then he says, Because Christ the Savior is born. If you really take a look, close look at that verse, something we all know, we're all familiar with, joy is connected with Christ. The two are closely connected. You can't separate the two. And there's a really, it's important to understand that. That joy and Christ go hand in hand. And so, when we talk about joy, it's a, it's an inner relationship with Christ. And so, I'm really going to kind of try to make you understand, or try to present this in a manner like, is joy something that flows up and down? Is it something that we have for a while, then we lose for a while? We have, you know, the, the seasons that go like this. Or is joy something more permanent? that we ought to see like this in linear. Versus, I have joy, I've lost my joy. I have joy, I've lost my joy. And I think that's what a lot of people experience regarding joy, but really that's not joy, that's about happiness. And I think we'll, we'll explain the difference between the two. It's really important. And so I started thinking about this, joy just a seasonal thing? Especially, you know, we talk about Christmas joy, the joy of Christmas. And then comes January, and we got to go back to work. And we've got all the bills to pay from our spending habits during the Christmas season. And somehow, joy just goes right out the door. So, is joy something more permanent? Is it just a seasonal thing? So, with that, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll get this thing going. So, let's, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, just for, for this opportunity to gather as your people. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. You've given us the privilege of being able to uh, understand Your Word, that the Spirit of God can speak to us. We pray that You'll help us this morning to understand the subject of joy. Lord, may we be a people of joy, uh, people that exhibit and express joy in a world that has no joy. May You help us, Lord, to be the light that You called us to be in the power of the Holy Ghost. We pray You'll speak to us, Father, and bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... First thing that came to mind when I was studying this subject is Galatians 5:22. Now, we all know about the subject of the fruit of the spirit. So, what is the fruit of the spirit? And it's not fruits by the way, it's fruit of the spirit. And really what that is, that is the Holy Spirit that dwells in you is learning or is teaching you to express Christ and who he is. He's conforming you to the image of Christ and to His person and to His character. And so, the fruit of the Spirit is a package deal. Now, people mimic it. They imitate it. But they cannot produce it. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit and only the Spirit. It comes from God and God only. And so, when we read about the fruit of the Spirit, this is God expressing Himself through us. His very person. So, when we read... Fruit of the Spirit, the first mention is love. Because the greatest of all these is love. But it's interesting to note that what he mentions next is joy. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We know the verse, the nine fruit that are mentioned. But it's love first because everything flows from love. And what flows from love is joy. This goes back to that connection between Christ and joy. Christ is love. So to have Christ is to have His love. To have His love is to have joy. If you don't have Christ, you don't have love. True love. And you don't have joy. See how it's all connected? It's the Spirit of God working through us. And the word joy comes from the Greek word chara, which means cheerful, uh, calm, a delight, a gladness, happiness, well off. But it's not happiness as we define happiness it's a it's much different much deeper and it's it's connected to a relationship with christ so when we talk about the fruit of the spirit is love joy joy flows out of knowing god's love it all begins with the relationship with god no relationship no true joy so the world cannot really truly experience joy and we're going to get to that later because the world is looking for happiness. And they're, and they're looking at all the wrong places. But if you want happiness, you got to have joy. That's permanent. So, knowing God's love is a relationship. That's where joy begins. It's that inner relationship with God. Then you experience God's love with the fellowship that we have with God. So we have a relationship, but then we have fellowship. Now, fellowship can go up and down <clears throat> based on our obedience to God. But in that, joy flows with our... When we're in fellowship with God, we can experience joy. And of course, we can express God's love, uh, which is the joy of God, which God wants from us. He, He wants that relationship. He wants that fellowship. And when you have that, He expresses Himself through you with love and joy and peace and all the other things. But joy is being one of those that God produces. What you keep seeing here is that we don't produce joy God produces it through us we can't we can not we can mimic it we can imitate it but when we're tested that's when we'll really know if we have joy or not and we'll get to that so the Jesus speaking to his disciples before he's going to the cross by the way he said something profound to me this has stuck with me for many years and it's had a profound impact on how I view joy Because he said, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy, whose joy? My joy, Christ's joy, might remain in you. Where does it come from? True joy comes from Christ, knowing him, walking with him, and expressing him. So true joy remains in you because it comes from him. And then he says, and that your joy might be full. So notice where joy originates from. My joy is Christ, and that becomes your joy. Let's put it this way. So, your faith, joy. Right? Because faith is dependence on God. It's your walk with God. Your, your Your relationship and your fellowship. But if our faith is here, where will our joy be? Here. Faith, joy. Faith, joy. Lack of joy. So, it all comes back to Christ. We have joy when we have a relationship with Christ, we abide in Him, and we're walking in the Spirit. Notice what He said in John 15. He said, abide in me, there's the fellowship, and I in you as the branch, here it is again, we cannot produce it. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You can't go out and will joy in your life. It won't happen. You can think about it, you can dwell on it, you can you can want it so bad, but you can't get it unless you know Christ, you abide with him and you're willing to express him, because he said, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, so the fruit of the spirit is dependent on your faith and your dependence on God. So we kind of have to clarify what what true joy is is that inner relationship with Christ and what we do with it, and how we express it based on our faith. So we have joy when we abide in Him. Now here's some thought-provoking questions, because this is something all of us are dealing with at some time in our life. It's either you have experienced it, you are experiencing it, or you will experience it. And it has a profound impact on how we we live. These seasons that we know as life seems to be against you, You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. When things aren't going your way, when trouble seems to have the upper hand, when life tends to throw you the curveball, the question you have to ask is how do you respond? How do you act? Does joy go out the door the moment trouble knocks on your door? Because if that's true, then where's your faith? Because remember, faith. Joy, faith, and joy. It goes out the door for a lot of people when they're in a season of difficult times. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we controlled by faith, or are we controlled by our emotions? Because one of those two is going to determine the outcome of the following. Your conduct. What's your conduct like Like. In a season of difficulty, a hardship, when there's physical pain, when there's infirmities. What's your conduct like? What's your temperament? The attitude? Your facial expressions. You ever get around someone going through a difficult time and boy, you know it. And you're like, you know, I'm not sure I want to be around them right now. (laughs) You ever been like that? because they're going to bring you down. You hear about toxic relationships. I mean, that's people who are going through a difficult time that are wearing everybody else around them. The last thing a Christian should be is toxic to other people. But if we're controlled by faith, the conduct, temperament, attitude, facial expressions will express something the world can't can't have. It will see something the world doesn't know about, but if we're controlled by our emotions, we're certainly going to have joy walk right out the door. And so, are we look? Do we look our disposition of looking and acting depressed? Are we mean spirited? Are we less friendly in time in seasons of darkness and hardships and setbacks and physical pain? I think these are really honest questions about how we respond. When difficult times come, and what happens to our joy? Because if our joy is real, it's connected to Christ and it's connected based on our faith and our dependence on Him. And the Spirit can produce that joy even in the seasons of darkness. Now, people may not like what I'm saying in regards to this. People will say, and I've heard this before when I try to explain to them, that God can produce. Something they cannot produce in their life. And you'll hear, and I think we've all been guilty of these words in times of difficulty, but if you only knew what I was going through, you wouldn't have joy. Have you ever said that? You have no idea what I'm going through. If you were in my shoes, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to know something? That's true. When someone says that to me, and I'm trying to, encourage them, and they're like, you're telling me to have joy in the midst of this. I understand, and I can sympathize maybe, I may even be able to empathize with them, but I truly don't understand what they're going through. I can always say that. That's true. I don't understand, but I know one who does understand. And the one that understands is the one that can get you through it with joy. It's the question of whether we're looking to Him in faith or not. And so, I have to remind ourselves, does not Christ dwell in every believer in the person of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says, Christ in you. Now, that ought to really shake us to the core. The very fact that we're sitting here today, and the Bible's very clear about this, you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Christ dwells in you as a born-again believer. So how can we say, well, if you were in my shoes, you wouldn't have joy either. But wait a minute. Christ is joy and He dwells in you so why don't you have joy? Because you got the wrong focus. What happens in our problems when we have problems and setbacks? And we've all been there and we'll all probably be there at some point. What happens? What's that? We quit. We we start looking at what? Ourselves. We start looking at our own problems. We start looking for solutions to our own problems. We start trying to figure out why we're in this situation, and how we can get out of this situation instead of getting on our knees and saying, God, get me through this with your joy. Because God promises His joy will remain in you, and your joy may be full. Because Christ is in you. That's, That's something to think about. By the way, when the disciples were... Jesus was preparing His disciples for his death, burial, and resurrection, they really didn't understand what was about to happen. And he kept saying, I'm I'm about to leave you. But he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send to you another Comforter. Capital C. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's going to dwell with you forever. It's a promise God made. That took place, we know, on the day of Pentecost. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, dwells in us. Why is he called the Comforter? Because during the difficulties, the seasons of, of trouble... He comforts you so you can have joy to comfort others. That's how God works. That's that I know God, I'm walking with God, and now I'm expressing God, who He is, to others around me. A lost and dying world who's in darkness, who has no joy, and to the believers who need that encouragement. But if my whole life is like, you know, I'm just, oh me, oh my, in misery, everybody around you is going to wonder, well, is that the Christ I want? Is that, the, is, that, is that what Christians are all about? That's what the world is seeing. They're seeing misery on the side of the Christians who are supposed to have real joy. Triumphant joy. Because that's what Jesus Christ is the only one who can give you triumphant joy during the tar- dark seasons of life. And no one can convince me after studying this that you can't have joy in the midst of darkness. Absolutely not. It, it, we, we can say we, we can't, but the Bible is very clear that we can. There's a little verse tucked away in Nehemiah 8:10. There's more to that verse if you read it, but the context is interesting as Nehemiah had been facing opposition both externally and internally to rebuild the wall. And the remnant that got together to rebuild that wall faced incredible opposition and difficulties and trials and setbacks and hardships and here they are in the midst of worshiping God getting instructions how to worship God he sends them away after they read read of the reading of the scripture and he says, "Go back to your homes, eat drink, be merry and he says, "The joy of the Lord is your strength and that 's just a little verse tucked away and I think about the power of that verse because you know what that tells me it's not my joy it's the Lord's joy the joy of who the Lord and what is that that's my strength see we go about trying to produce joy in our own strength only to fail and become miserable and then that reflects in our conduct our temperament our facial expressions and how we we conduct ourselves in life but the joy of the Lord is my strength. No, say amen for me. Just I, I'm going to make sure I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not talking about the market of beasts this morning now. I get it if you're like, you know, help me a little bit, help me. God gives you, I know, God gives you triumphant joy so that you can endure the seasons of darkness. Who gives you the season of darkness? God. Oh, Satan may be allowed to by God's permission, but God ultimately is the one who gives it. Okay? And if he allows it, and you're going to see this, I'll prove this without a shout, nobody will question it, what can be done in the midst of really difficult times. And that triumphant joy is real, and God supernaturally will help you endure and persevere and overcome. Isn't the song say, faith is the victory that overcomes the world? Whoa, faith is what? Dependence on God. Faith, I'm depending on God through my difficulties. Whoosh, I have joy. If I'm not dependent on God, the joy won't be produced because you're not fa- having faith. It's about where you focus your time or your, 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 uh, your priority. So let's prove this out in the book of Philippians. Um, how many have read the book of Philippians before? So, Wow, I'm so surprised. Uh, did you know the context of that book? D- did you know the conditions that Paul was in when he wrote the book? Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote the book. And so let's talk about what Paul was facing and then what Paul did about it. So when we read through the book, we have to understand this context. Paul was in a Roman prison. But By the way, this isn't your modern day prison. This isn't, you know, three meals a day, a little TV action at night, a little movie on the Fridays. And by the way, go out and lift weights in the day and go do your walk around the prison. No, 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 no. This is confinement. Sometimes strapped to another Roman guard. You couldn't go anywhere. It was horrible. you, You couldn't ask for worse conditions to be in as a human being. That was Paul. Roman prison. Dreadful conditions. Filthy, dirty, unsanitary. He was alone, by the way. Other than the insects, the bugs, the spiders, and the frogs. He was alone. Nobody likes to be alone. They they think you want to be alone, but put yourself in solitary confinement and see how long that lasts. That's Paul. He's confined. And by the way, he had limited opportunities. I think this was the hardest thing for Paul when he was writing the epistle of, of, of Philippians. Paul was a missionary, an evangelist. Everywhere he went, he preached the Word of God. He taught the Word of God. He gave everything he could to, to, to minister to God's people and here he is he can't do a thing he can't use the gifts that he had he's confined to a small space in a dark space to do nothing he wrote the book though here's what's amazing about here's the conditions Paul is in here's what he's facing and yet what we read about in the book of Philippians or what is baffling that in the midst of all that he wrote about joy, more than any other epistle that he wrote, how do you explain that? I mean, if you're in those conditions, you think you're going to write about joy. So what we read about when we go through the book of Philippians, there are 104 verses in it. 14 of those verses res- reference the subject of joy. One out of every seven verses that Paul mentions is about joy, and yet. He's in prison in the horrific conditions that he's in. How do you explain that? How is that possible? Because you read verses like this when Paul is in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now remember, he's not going to tell you to do something that he wasn't willing to do. And here he's writing in those conditions, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. What an example. I have learned, and that's a process, I think, there's there that you have to learn about joy. You have to learn about how to express God's joy in the midst of difficulties. But I have learned in whatsoever state I am, and he's in a bad state, and he often was, if you read 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 11, just the things that Paul went through was just, ins- I mean, no human being really could tolerate It had to be supernatural for him to endure it. And in the midst of all that, Paul had the joy of the Lord always. He said, i am learned to be content. Okay, Lord, if this is where you want me, this is the situation you gave me, then I'm going to have joy no matter what because this is what you assigned to me at this time in life. and that And that's what caused him, I believe, to write about joy more than any other subject or any other epistle. So I think that's just amazing. And I, go, I keep asking myself, how do you explain that? I mean, oh, Paul was exceptional. Paul was uh, special. Paul was the apostle who got to spend time with Christ himself. We can go through all those, those excuses, but the reality is, no. Paul just learned, like all of us, learned to be content, learned to rest in the joy of the Lord. Because whatever he's doing, it's not natural. It's not natural to do these things. Not one bit. But Mike, if you think about it, none of us here as born-again believers are natural. Do you think about that? It's not natural to be, have joy in the midst of your troubles. Especially the world looks at it that way. But who said you were natural? Everything about you is supernatural. The new birth, you're born from above. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're sealed eternally with the Spirit of God. You're separated for God's purpose. Think about it. God wants to use me? What? I'm so unworthy. Why would He want to use me? He could use, he could use anything He wanted to. He could make the stones cry out. But He chooses to use me, an unworthy vessel. A vessel of clay. To think about, He separated me for His purpose. And I have access to the power of God. The one who spoke the creation is the very one who gives me access to that power. That's why Paul had joy. That's why Paul wrote about joy while he's he's chained to another Roman guard in dark conditions, hanging out with the bugs and the spiders. He had access to the power of good because none of that's natural, but not, we're not natural, we're supernatural when you think about our life. We went from an old man that's been placed on the cross to a new man, and the new man is Christ in you. What a wonderful thing to think about. Have you ever noticed what else is what's absent from the book of Philippians? Now we talked about what's present, the joy of the Lord, and Paul talking about it more than any other book that he wrote. But you know what's absent from it? Anybody want to take a guess? Not one time does Paul complain, hmm, murmur, or question his circumstances. What's the first thing we do when trouble comes our way? Okay, Lord, what did I do? What, you know, what, what's going on here? Why is this happening to me? Now, I know mature saints tend to go, okay, God. You got something going on. But when time goes by, and God can be silent sometimes, and you and the and the pressure's on and the and the weights get heavier and heavier, there's a there's a season where you can start to say, Okay, God, why are you doing this? And whoosh, joy goes right out the door. But not one time in the book of Philippians does Paul ever complain or murmur or question his circumstances. Quite the opposite. He just talks about how good God is and how, how thrilled he is with the Philippians. He calls it joy unspeakable. In other words, you can't even express it. It's so powerful and so beautiful. Paul is glad. He talks about glad and rejoicing and contentment. All those are centered around joy. What did he have that so few of us have? Well, I started thinking about that. You know, in my life, I've read the book. I've taught it. I've prayed over it. I can't tell you how many times I struggled to take the words of God and translate them into my heart. I'm no different than anybody else. This is, this is, this is why Paul said, I have learned. It's God taking those, those circumstances over and over until He teaches you. Rest in Me, and you'll have joy. And my joy will be your strength to endure, persevere, and overcome. That's why God gives us our trials sometimes. And why God gives us hardships. And and believe me, there's plenty of them, unfortunately. But Paul had something because he had the right focus. We tend to focus on the wrong thing. We focus on the problem. We focus on solutions. I mean... My whole life has been about providing solutions in the business world. So everything I think of in a pragmatic sense is like, oh, got a problem, got a solution. Problem, a solution. That's not how it works in Christianity. When you have a problem, it's not about having a solution. It's about going to Christ to get the solution. And waiting on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. When you're renewed in your strength, you're going to have joy. Oh, I love this verse. This is Paul's focus. I can do all things through Christ. There's where his joy came from. So now let's go back to the definition of joy versus happiness. Because we've clearly defined joy. Happiness, which by the way the world experiences, all of us experience happiness, nothing wrong with that. But the problem is if we depend on it, we're going to be solely disappointed sorely disappointed. Happiness is based on external factors, circumstances, situations. They're all external. They're not internal. Because joy is internal. It begins with a relationship with Christ. Happiness, by the way, is temporal. I'm going to prove that in a minute. Joy is infinite. Why? Because Christ is infinite. He's eternal. If He's eternal and He, it's His joy I get, then that means that joy is eternal. Happiness can be exhausted. You, you have a moment of happiness. We've all been there. Moment of happiness, it's gone. What's happened? We look for the next moment of happiness. Because we're depending on happiness to get us through. But happiness is short-lived. It's exhausted. But joy is inexhausted because Christ offers it continually. There is no end to His joy. No end. So once again, happiness is external, Joy is internal. Happiness is finite. Joy is infinite because it's connected to Christ. But that connection is depending on your focus. So, I thought about this as we're going through this study. The world can be happy. I meet a lot of happy people in the world because they have circumstances that keep them happy. Whether it's money or toys or friendships or whatever that may be, they live off that. But the world cannot have joy like we have joy because you have to have a relationship with Christ to have true joy. So have you ever noticed how little joy there is in the world we live in? I mean, it's it's exhausting to be honest with you. How much misery there is and negativity. You know why that is? Because our sin nature feeds off negativity. Do you know why you like the news so much? I don't care for it. Personally, it frustrates me. But you know why we like it? Because it's negative. I, I could prove this. I don't have time to go into this. I have talked to people that are in this business who are anchors, and they talk about the more misery they show, the greater the audience. That's a proven fact. More fires, more deaths, more rapes, whatever it is, more war. People are drawn to that. It goes back to the garden. Eve had it, she, Adam and Eve had it made. God said one thing. I'm putting the tree of the, go- of the knowledge of good and evil, but you can't have it. But I'm going to put it in your midst, but I'm going to give you everything else around you that will just be a dream come true. You have perfect bodies, perfect environment, but you can't touch the tree. What's the one thing she focused on? The tree. Satan manipulating her to get focused on the thing. Well, well what's God hiding from you? What's God not giving you in that tree? You know what? That's what human nature is. It feeds off negativity, which brings misery. And you'll wonder why no one has any joy. Or, or they have to look for all kinds of things for happiness. And I believe that's why we have a greater degree of depression, off depression, of depression, than ever before. That's a proven. F- I, did, I had all statistics. I'm just not going to spend time on that right now. But we have a constant barrage of negative news. Misery loves company. Mental health has reached a crisis level. That's all I hear about it today. Mental health, mental health, mental health. Well, that's leading to a thriving drug industry to treat anxiety, depression, ADD, social. I'm not making fun of this. I'm not, po- I'm not saying, you know, if somebody's dealing with that, there are answers that are rooted in Christ to fix it. This is real stuff. I know what's happening, but this is, why, this is what the world is looking for, for happiness. Well, if I take this, I'll be happy. Well, how long are you going to be happy until that pill wears out? You, you wonder. Ever wonder why the medical uh, marijuana industry is growing and everybody's starting to prove? Because people are looking for the next happiness. Old people who used to smoke pot now can go back and do it recreational. For oh, um, well, I see it all the time in Colorado. I see you know the, the older folks coming in, coming and going out of these dispensaries. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, we'll observe it on Pearl Street and Boulder, just, just one after another. And they're, they're not the young ones, they're the older ones. They're looking for happiness, right? And, and it's the same thing where the doctor says, oh, you got this, take this. Because it'll make you happy. But it won't bring joy. Now, I'm not making fun of it. I don't want anybody to think, well, you know, I have a little bit of anxiety and I take, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm just saying, go back to where, what is happiness versus what is joy. Because your anxiety is going to be there as soon as the pill wears off or the next thing is, goes away. And then I thought, okay, if the, if the world is in trouble, oh man, I can't believe I don't have time to do this. If the world has got lack of joy, and what's the one thing we can give them? Joy. To exhibit joy, to express joy. And there's power in it. Let me go real quick. Paul's being thrusted with Silas in the inner prison. There's no light there. They made their fat, feet fast in the stocks. And bl- look at this. Midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. How would you like to be in that condition and yet still be able to sing, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Now, you got to understand, those prisoners are listening to these two guys as they're sitting in stocks singing to the Lord. But you know who else was listening? The jailer. And he witnessed something he had not witnessed before, which is the power of joy in the midst of hardships. I believe he said something to the effect, I want what they have. Because the world's looking. If they see us like this, they don't want that. But if they see, hey, that guy's going through all kinds of problems, but look at him. He's always joyful. I want what they have. sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want what you want, or what you have. Have you ever considered the power of your testimony when you're experiencing the lows of life? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So much I could share with you right now. I'll close on this, even though there's a lot more. The world is dependent on external circumstances like material things to bring it joy. And... Christians got to be careful depending on material things for their joy or any experience that brings them short-term joy or happiness. There's a picture of my uh, grandson's toys that um, weren't supposed to be opened until Christmas, but, you know, he got there and the tree was full of, and he, he got so excited, Papa, Papa, you know, and, you know, first thing he did is went to the presents. I, it was really interesting how I'm, I'm observing. I'm, I'm, here I am ta- thinking about this subject of joy. And I'm, I'm observing as he approaches this and, and goes to the gifts. And he starts to open the first one. And, you know, whoa! He goes, whoa! Baba! Wow! Oh! You know? And he opens the gift and he plays with it for about ten minutes. And guess what? <whistles> On to the next. I'm like, whoa, 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 little man. Little man, hold off now. We, we, let's give it some time here. It's been 10 minutes. Let's enjoy the one. He's, oh, no, we've we got to get on to the next gift. Isn't this true? I mean, I was like, oh, this is, we're going to exhaust these gifts before the end of the day. The first day is there. And he, he, opened his, he had a moment of happiness every time he opened, but he wanted the next happiness. That's what happiness is like in the world. Now, I'm going to close on this comment. Whatever you do, when you give gifts to your children, your grandchildren, make sure when you read the box, if it says assembly required, don't buy it. (laughs) Because I spent half my vacation with my kids putting that stuff together. That drove me nuts, man. Every time I was like, oh, no, not another one, like the racetracks and all that stuff. and Well, anything for the little man, right? But it brought him joy. I said, that's not what joy is. And there's a lot more I I don't have time to, to express to you today. But hopefully God will use this to kind of get us focused on the right thing. To not only have joy in the Christmas season, but to have joy infinitely all the time. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for joy that's in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be a people of joy to a witness to a world that's not does not have joy. May God you bless. May you help us. May you strengthen us according to your wills. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285.